Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that knows as much about football as Neil Lennon knows about employment law. This week on Heart and Hand, they were killing us on Wednesday night, but on Sunday they had us living again. So welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast, my name's David Edgar, I'm your host as always and joining me this week are two of the finest of the Heart and Hand team, two senior operating officers. First of all, the inestimable Mr Ian Hogg. Good evening young man, uh, thank you for having me on on this uh, fun-packed Monday. And the splendid Mr Andy McGowan. Hello guys, only good mood I hope. Well, yes, better, better. But I do want to talk about the uh, frustration <laughs> that gets caused following our team. But after, let's be honest, a, a pretty shabby start to the second half of the season at Kilmarnock on Wednesday, we were all at the game. It was dreadful and Rangers offered nothing. But we talked about that on Thursday. We headed off to uh, the Tony Macaroni Arena, as uh, we're legally obliged to call it now. And I think there was a feeling, Andy, among the supporters going in that this is a tough one. You know, it's okay saying Olivia were uh, seventh or eighth, actually, by by the time the game kicked off. And that that is correct, but their home record is splendid for any side in the SPFL. Uh, They'd only conceded six goals at home all season, and of course Rangers had been awful there the, the previous visit. And yet, right from the start, it was the Rangers that we want to see that came to the party. Aye, it was a it was a banana skin waiting to happen, and uh, there'll be more teams going to the Tony Macaroni to uh, find it the same as we did the first time round. But um, the physical, we know what you're going to get. You have to win the physical battle first and foremost, and I thought we did that really well for the first kick of the ball, and that allowed us eventually to kind of uh, enforce the game. But 
it was a, I mean, we lost that yesterday, we dropped any points yesterday, that would have been a disaster, a it, real disaster. So it, it was done if we lost it, yesterday, and all fair, it really was, and I don't say it lightly, but if we lost yesterday, it was done. I don't think that's too far for the truth, even for an optimist like me. Yeah, I mean, nine points would have been... You, you basically then going into both Old Firm games needing to win and also not being able to drop another point. Also, yeah, it would have just been huge. Um, but you're right, it was a, a really decent display, Hoggy. Right from the start, um, the, the, there was a lot to talk about. The team news came out and Rangers had you like gone back to the 4-3-3 gone back to the midfield that served us so so well against Celtic on December the 29th uh, Borna Barisic came back in as well Daniel Kandias and uh, at the back the lesser spotted Nico Katic um, came back although Joe Worrell did retain his place after Wednesday's horror show I have to say that the the four guys who came in at the side uh, Barisic, Kandias, uh, Ross McCrory in particular and uh, Nico Cassidy, I thought they all had excellent matches. Oh, they did. You know, Candace, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. Um, it's going to be buzz bomb stuff, and it's going to be interaction with James Tavy. You're down the right-hand side. Talk about it long and hard, David, but I, I, I genuinely think that James Tavy doesn't play well without Candace because they're, they're a unit. I, I know what Barisic, you mean. I, I think you get a player and a half out of yeah. Candace playing because you get so much more from Tav when he's there. He just feels safe. It's, it's, it is safety blanket stuff, but he, he can play with confidence. Barisic came in and played very well, despite... I don't think he was the manager's best friend after Helsinki and uh, you know his, his old beating the ground 55 times. Um but again, Kamani was solid enough. He delivered some cracking balls. Um, Katic, I thought, did very well. Worrell, interestingly, took the leader's role. Um, in my, you know, you, you know, I always talk about centre halves as a kind of one and two pairing. The one's always the leader, and Worrell's been led so far this season. And I thought it was really interesting that after Wednesday night and after such a high-profile mistake. He retained his place in the side, became the leader at the back, and actually having Katic played very, very well together. Um, and then you've got Ross McCrory, and I left him to the end because I was really happy we went back to 4-3-3. I thought that they needed stretched because they typically play, yes, three at the back, but their full-backs tuck in. They end up playing five. Um, and teams have got a choice. They can either go narrow against them and almost play into the hands of Livingston because although it's, it's a kind of five at the back, they're quite a narrow team. Or you can play with width. But if you play with width, you've got to play with pace, urgency, intensity. And Ross McCrory gave us all of that last night. He, he was um, he was he was up there, certainly, in the top three for the man of the match, David. A lot to unpick there, but I, I would agree. I thought Ross McCrory was brilliant again, and I think that's a, a string of excellent performances he's, he's put together. And we, we've said it on here for a while, he's the only midfielder at the club who can do that job, but also the way he does it. He does it at pace, he does it quickly. Everything he does, he, he's not a hold on to the ball when he's won it, have a look around. He, he just gets the ball and he gives it, and we're on the attack. And that's when we look dangerous, Andy, because to use a kind of modern wanky term, in the transition is when the defence isn't set and guys like Tav or Candace or Kent can get in behind them. Whereas I think some of our other midfielders, if they win the ball, which they do and they're good at it, 
they tend to not give it quite as quickly as Ross McCrory does and that allows the opposition to funnel back and then a lot of the time we've got to do that turn round and it ends up with the centre halves and we've seen it game after game unfortunately but when McCrory's in the side he just he goes looking for it he loves a tackle he wins the ball and he gets us on the move again before the team's got time to set back up and in the first half in particular especially with headers uh, Rangers were making plenty of chances I mean we made more in the first 20 minutes yesterday than we did the last trip to to Livingston I thought Right I mean I've got a confession at McCrory I I think McCrory uh, is an excellent player I think he's Get everything that he'll need to be a top player, but at the moment I had a wee question mark on him. I've always thought that technically he's just a wee bit short in terms of passing ability and stuff like that. But to, to be honest, I'm wrong because what he's given to your team, if you take it and buy it, how much would you pay for it? You'd pay millions for a guy that covered as much ground as him, won as many balls in the air, on the ground, picked up the loose balls. He allowed Jack and the rest of the team to go about their business. Um, and he done it against Celtic as well. It was a very similar kind of performance. And it might be that when the rougher and tougher the game gets and the more up and at him is, the better it suits him. Because that's his attributes, getting stuck in, winning balls in the air and, uh, and retrieving the ball and playing it simple. So, aye, McCrory was excellent. I think he's, he's playing his sail in a position where he can be far off one of the first 11. All the time. I mean, he's, he's even in the periphery for most of the season by virtue of his youth and a kind of tendency to protect him a wee bit. But I tell you what, I, I think he makes it, the, the, the team complete. He is a the kind of missing mm. part of the jigsaw that allows Arfield and even Jack to, to do, add a wee bit more to the game and get on with their game. So McCrory was superb yesterday. Amongst many, I've got to say, I agree with what you've said already about Barisic and so forth. Katic, I thought, was superb as well. Yeah, well, talking about the centre-backs, then, uh, now, Nico Katic has been out of the team for a while. And when someone is out of the team and their replacement isn't playing that well, there is a tendency for the player to take on mythical uh, qualities. And I think that there was an element of that with Nico Katic. But... I do think that the Rangers fans had a fair point in saying that he hadn't done an awful lot wrong to get banished. Sure, he did bad games, but there isn't a centre-back at our club who hasn't had bad games this season. And he got called back into the team yesterday, and I just thought Hoggy kept it simple. He didn't try to do... Stuff. There was a moment in the 66th minute which summed it up for me, which is uh, Livy were attacking down the side. He ran out to cover it. Livy players running towards the ball and another Livy player cuts inside so that if he gets to the ball, uh, his teammate gets the ball, he's free. Katic looks at that, sees it and just nods it straight out of play, runs back and gets in position. And I thought, hallelujah, that's exactly what we've been missing. Somebody that realises, play football when we can, but see if we can, don't lose a goal. Did you you notice where he nodded it though in 66 minutes? There's a gap between... The, the end of the main stand at Livy and the the kind of let's call it the forest end if you like or the, the the college end there's a gap there and he stuck it right into the gap to allow it and whether it was meant or not no idea but let's give him the benefit of the doubt hmm. because it allowed everyone to just get back into position it was that it was it was simple and it was safe but it was safe in a good way not a Wednesday night way when everyone was too safe and we didn't offer anything. Um, he came in and he just he's obviously just been told, look, confidence, it's all about confidence. It's about safety first. It's about doing your job. Defenders defend, closing the title. Um, defenders defend. 
and he did that, I thought, superbly well last night. As I say, marshalled by Worrell, because Worrell alongside never stopped talking to him. Um, and it was, I guess in one way, great to see, and another way, slightly frustrating that there's a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde nature to Worrell, probably indicative of the team itself this season, that, that hope we can shake off. Yeah, and a, a good display. We, we were getting to the stage, we'd missed a couple of really decent chances and it's getting to the, oh, I hope we don't pay for this stage, when we were ably assisted with uh, a goal from former Ranger Liam Kelly. Not one he'll uh, look back on with much fondness. Shot from the edge of the box, right through him from Ryan Jack. Goal-scoring genius that he is. Should be get, shooting from all angles from now on uh, to keep this run going. Um, but into the second half when you're thinking we'll need another one to kill it, Ryan Kane. Missed one and then immediately got in the end of another. I hadn't finished complaining about his first miss when he, he came in and, and like George Alberts absolutely smashed it into the top corner. He spoke yesterday, Andy, about being a bit, uh, shall we say, still trying to get back to full fit, well, not full fitness, but full sharpness after his injury and said I was a little bit sloppy in possession at times, but I'm getting into the positions and I know it's going to come. I'm so excited about this boy and, and if there's any chance of signing him, do it. But if there's any chance of even getting him for another year, I think we've got to be trying our very, very best to get a hold of him if he's happy, which he says he is. He's a top talent and I think he recognises that he's, he's uh, been afforded up to be a key guy in your team. And yesterday Livingston were doubling up on him which made it harder for him to get past and create things but he's such a tricky player he must be a nightmare to play against um, what I liked about him yesterday was that for the two, for the win he missed and for the goal his movement was superb he was, he was alive for this kind of 4-3-3 to work it's obviously key that the two wide men chip in with goals and that is probably the one thing you could level at him so far this, this season is that he probably should be scoring more than he has so the two goal, the two, the chance they missed and the one he scored, superb movement, obviously good balls into the box as well for the right hand side. But I thought, um, I thought he was very unlucky with that first chance. To be honest, it's easy to say it was a bad miss, but I thought it was actually unlucky. It was coming in at pace, um, but the second one was was no mistake. Beautiful, nice to see a goal rattle for once. <laughs> I know, I loved it. It was, I mean, it was one of those ones. It's just this is going in. <laughs> nobody's gonna, Aye. nobody's gonna stand in the way of it. So. We were then, of course, uh, we could do this most games, but I, I certainly think he deserved it yesterday for Alfredo Morelos, who kept going hoggy. I thought he was brilliant in everything Barry's finishing uh, up until he then gets probably the most difficult chance he got of the match and uh, slotted it away from wide, something he's, he's really good at in those wider positions. He's, he's shooting so accurate from there. He had another tremendous match and, you know, a transfer window, closing week, it's going to have to be something, I think, Stupid to tempt Rangers to sell Morelos because far be it from me to agree with Andy Walker, but he said if Rangers were to sell him, they're selling the the shot at the title, and I can't help but feel that that might well be true. Yeah, and I I said in the preview show that if we lose at Livingston, I fully expected Morelos to go, or at least any big bid to be accepted because you know you lose lose against Livingston, and you boys both said it, the game's a bogey. Um, well, it's not now. It's we're, we're still in the periphery, I would say, of a title challenge, assuming that Celtic uh, win their game in hand against St Johnston at Parkhead for six points in it. So yeah, that that for me is the borders of the title uh, title challenge. Morelos yesterday, you take his 
even even his chances, he had what three proper chances, I think, and one wee flick that uh, Kent ends up scoring from. The first ones, the first two are in the first half, the header, and then the utterly magnificent through ball from Daniel Candace, um that the Morelos hits the, hits the post with. Then he gets his goal, and you see the smile. And after the match, Sky Sports came up with a graphic that talked about Morelos this season in the league. Now, I must admit, I kind of cast a wee bit of doubt on it because the numbers didn't exactly ring true. However, it said that all season in the league, Morelos has had 70-0 shots on target and scored 21 times. In other words, 30% of the time he shoots, he scores. Um, and he's had 25 shots on target and he scored 21. We're up 84%. Now, I'm casting a wee bit of doubt on those figures, David. Um but assuming that they've got some signs behind them, for a guy that's meant to miss ninety, you know, all his chances, there's there's actually some strike rate. And yesterday, I think when he's through and goal and by the keeper, and he's so wide, he slots at home. You know, there, there's there's almost no question. It's right into the inside side netting, and he's off and running and celebrating with the crowd. And I think the the smiles and the enthusiasm after the match, and even when he's wheeled out, maybe for the first time ever for a Sky Sports interview, when he said thank you, um, <laughs> it was it, it was all smiles and it was it was lovely to see. So I, uh, I I hope and pray to those gods that I don't believe in that he's still here come Friday. I think that the stats are maybe a wee bit more difficult to believe because it tends to be that when he misses a chance he spectacularly misses a chance that's you know usually fires it well over the bar or whatever so you might be forgiven for having the perception but no I mean he is a, a pretty accurate uh, striker of the ball at certain times but again I just think it's a massive improvement from last year that was the area his game he had to work on he's worked on and he's getting better he's getting better I think month by month at this point and Andy, he proved yet again that to get the best out of Alfredo Morelos, you have to put him in a three. He does not seem, and we, we've joked about it, but I think we're past the stage now of imagining it. I think it is very much a thing. He just does not seem to enjoy playing with a partner. Do you know, I, I don't know if that's, everybody seem to say it now. And I've seen it on TV as well. I don't know if that's strictly true. I, I, I think he could play a 10 day bother, but the question then is is that his best position? Because you're looking at him just now as a sole striker and he's fucking on fire, he's sensational. And would you lose something if you had him playing behind the four, for example? I think he could do that knee bother because he's, he's all around play so good, he could play that. He can go wide, he can beat men, he can bring people into play. So probably if you're looking at him as a player, you would probably say, aye, this guy could play behind somebody. But I don't know if that's his best position. I think, I think the way we played yesterday, uh, there was mere balance to the overall team and it suited him. Um, so there's probably an argument to say, aye, he is best up front to sell. But I, I, I have to think he could play in a two. I, I don't think it's um, proven yet that that's not the case. Just because he's a wee bit skulky and he, he runs about and does his way on five in the back. There's this kind of perception that he would be able to play as a partnership. I think if you give it time with a player as good as the four, it probably would click. Problem is, 
we've not really got time to start experimenting in, 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 in that manner because the, the chances are something going wrong are just too great or the kind of consequences are just too great. But yeah. what I would say about the, the stats and stuff like that is he's got what a lot of fantastic strikers have, which is an insatiable desire to shoot. But Negri had it. He would shoot for every angle, back to goal, he'd try and get a shot away. And for the first moment, I've seen Morelis when he came on as a sub against Marseille and that friend of last year. I said, fucking hell, good. We've got a striker that likes to just shoot as soon as he gets a sniff of goal. Um, so, long may it continue. Um, he's key to what happens for the rest of the season. I'm very interested to see if we got a blockbuster bid, what we would do, because it would take massive balls to turn down a 15 or 20 million pound bid um, for, for any player. But I would like to think that we've got something as a backup in case that happens, because it would be negligence to think that if something comes in the last day that we cannot refuse as a club financially, that we're left high and dry without a, a, at least an attempt to replace them. Before we, we move off in the game, a, a couple of things I just wanted to, to bring up before we get into maybe a, a, a discussion about the wider points that came out yesterday. Firstly, Daniel Kindeas, we, we all kind of mentioned him, but I just wanted to to big him up a little bit. I thought he was sensational yesterday. I mean, just everything about him. And that pass that you mentioned, Hoggy, if that was a player in England or Spain, we'd have seen it from multiple angles several times. It was incredible. And what made it just, I think, even better was he won the ball first. <laughs> you know, It was his tracking that made it happen. And then he's, he's put in that ball, which was the perfect way it had curved on it so it came back in towards Morelos. It was just sensational. And I think that's... The the whole tracking back and tackling back, I think that's what Condace has really, really added to his game this season. Uh, certainly in the last few months, you know, he's he's clearly been challenged by Gerard to do more work harder. And let's face it, he wasn't exactly work shy to begin with. Mm. Um and at times you could be forgiven in the game in the 29th against Celtic for you know thinking it was Forrest Gump in the park because <laughs> he was chasing absolutely everything. But it was it wasn't just about chasing lost causes; it was about pressing the space as well. Um, and that's one of the reasons Celtic seemed so penned in. Yesterday he was doing the same, but he was winning the ball, and then he's got that speed of thought that you know you you and I get frustrated at times. Um, about his final ball and it seems to more often than not this season hit the first man when maybe last season it didn't um, but that was inch perfect um, to the point you know Morelis could actually take it first time that's how good a ball it was and you know Morelis thinks he's stuck it in the corner he's I, I think he's a, he's wheeling away because he thinks it's in um, and he should have scored but uh, Let's chalk up to it was a bit unfortunate. It was just sensational pass from the guy. And if we're playing 4-3-3, he's got to play for me, David. Um, and, you know, even if we're playing, say, that diamond formation, um, against Kilmarnock the other night, when when Kilmarnock are going to play with width, they're going to try and break away, bully in the midfield and then break away with width and pace. We so badly missed that kind of buzz bomb, Forrest Gump style uh, against them because they, they, they were able to break time and time again and kind of pull us apart a wee bit. I've never seen that film. <laughs> Have you not? No. 
No, never seen okay. it before. I, well, I didn't. I didn't fancy it. It seems from what I can gather about it, it Tom Hanks plays uh what's the correct term these days? A learning difficulties person and runs about a bit. It, it kind of just struck me as like watching some of our forwards from the last few years over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I maybe wouldn't go out of your way to watch it. Um, you know, think. Nah, do you know what? I'm not even going to say it because this one, this one's, this, this one's not in and I'll get in trouble. Yeah, probably best to to move on from that. It was in, it was that era where Tom Hanks could have videoed himself having a wank and he'd have got an Oscar for it. So I think that was kind of off putting to me as well. But anyway, moving on. Hoggy mentioned it there, Andy. Uh, which the formation now. We were rubbish when we tried this diamond against Kilmarnock and we were very good when we went back to the 4-3-3 yesterday. So for quite a lot of fans, it's, well, there you go, that's our system, let's not deviate from it. On the other hand, and I kind of lean towards this camp, I've seen us be rotten this season a good few times playing 4-3-3. So the idea that it, it should never be tampered with, I don't know if I agree with. There have been games where it clearly hasn't worked and I'm a great believer that Sage, unless they're exceptional, should be tactically fluent because you need to be able to give the opponent something difficult to think about or different to think about. And I go back to the two Aberdeen matches at Ibrox and in the League Cup semi-final where we, for two matches, tried essentially the same thing and they just batted it away. And it would be nice to have, if you like, a plan B. And I think that we've moaned a lot about that and then when we try it, we go, let's shake it back to what we know. I don't necessarily think I'd be abandoning any other any other ideas or formations but I do get the criticism that maybe Rugby Park first game back wasn't the place to try it especially with two with two players who clearly weren't match fit yet and that it maybe wasn't so much this, the system is rotten as this wasn't wasn't the place to start working on it yeah no I agree completely about the fluency of formation and stuff like that. We've, we've got the players that we should be able to play a couple of formations and if I was to level one criticism of Gerard and his team since they came is just exactly what you've said. They've not actually tried uh, different things often enough and there was actually a kind of school thought they were becoming too predictable. I mean, we talked about Murty and Murty would play the same way all the time with the same players and all the rest of it and you kind of knew exactly what was going to happen. It was getting a wee bit like that with this squad because we knew we were always going to play 4-3-3 and I think most opposition managers would have uh, had a very, very good idea of how to set up against us because they, they would have known how we were going to set up. I was disappointed after the Motherwell draw early in the season when we, we started with three at the back and we tried Lafferty and Morelos. I was disappointed that we completely abandoned that. I'm not saying we played well that day, we didn't, but I think we're a wee bit of luck and, and uh, I think Goldson slipped for a goal and stuff like that. I think we're a wee bit of luck we could have persevered that game and won with a three at the back. But we, for some reason, we've never seen it again. I would like a team, ideally, that can switch during a game from a 4-3-3 to a three at the back to whatever. Um, because if we're being honest, that's what Celtic can do. And, and it changes games sometimes when you're real up against it. And those can be a difference between picking up three points, picking up one point or not getting anything at all. And I think we have got the players that should be able to do that. Now, it's easier said than done because you've got to be well drilled and your players are going to know exactly what they're doing and where they are. And I think the Candace Tavernier thing is, is kind of critical because 
It's probably the best thing about our team is the, the combination doing the right between Tavernier and Candias. And a lot of these formation changes, you lose that. You certainly lose it when you go to the diamond. And if you go to a three at the back, then who's playing wide right? Is it Candias or, or Tavernier? It can be both of them. Mm. So I, I think we need to actually open our minds as, as a support that we're going to play a diamond in some games. It might be different and it may be less dynamic as to what we're used to when we've got Kent and Candias on the wings. But we've got to be able to have solutions to games that um, are not going our way or to teams that are maybe well drilled and we're not getting um, to break them down. I think the Kilmarnock game, uh, with hindsight, it was the wrong thing to do with hindsight. But I think uh, the fact that Davis into the four or disposal, I don't think there's many Rangers fans disappointed to see them in the start of 11. Um, but again, the Kilmarnock game, we gifted them. So it's not as you say the formation was wrong, it was just that actually we never responded as a team and I think a couple of players never stepped up to the mark when they should have. So it's not always in the formation. I think uh, Gerard said after that game we should be winning here and I think what he was mainly saying was we should be winning here whether we're playing 4-3-3-4 or 4-2 or whatever. Mm. Um, we had the players to do it and it, and it was just in the mentality and application. So I would like to see us try something different and again... Um, Again, I go back to the problem of goal is there's no margin for error here now. No. And um, if you go back and you try a diamond, for example, a Hamilton or something, I don't know, and it doesn't go to plan <clears throat> and, we, and we, we get damaged, then we're in for powers. Hoggie, I think that for me what it is is that the, the team itself are comfortable in this 4-3-3 and we can see who plays and, and the partnerships and whatnot. And it will take a little bit of time to adapt to a new formation. But there have been matches where we've just had no threat whatsoever and we've been reduced to just trying the same thing time after time. Partially, though, it's because in those matches, I think the team retreats into its shell mentally and you don't see first-time passing, you don't see people taking on a man. It becomes very pedestrian and very predictable and that's what happened at Rugby Park. Now, we could have been 4-3-3, but if we were 4-3-3 and the game went exactly the same way, although clearly it wouldn't, but bear with me, the same thing would have happened because the players went into their shell and stopped doing the things they're good at. Well, yeah, certainly some players tend to do that. Um, what, what I'd suggest is going 3-5-2 at Motherwell seemed odd at the time because the, the, the team will have had almost no time to work on it whatsoever. And, you know, we hardly had a free week throughout the first half of the season. So it's Andy's right, it takes drill time. Even moving to a diamond formation takes drill time. What we'll find in the second half of the season is there's more drill time. We're out of Europe, that's fine. Um, so once we get, I think, this midweek in the Aberdeen game out of the way, we've, we'll have, hopefully, um, some more spare time in our hands that we can try this stuff. We can learn on the training field and learn to adapt to each other. I think um, the whole retreating into shell thing, I'm going to come back to Ross McCrory, David, and it's, again, 2020 hindsight because he didn't play against Kilmarnock. But if... Um, I, 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 like Andy, underplayed Ross McCrory's role. I thought he was always quite... Uh, it was an element of youthful exuberance. 
Yeah. He would fly into tackles. He would come out the other end. He would. He would seem to hurry the ball away, if you like. Um, and I put that down to youth. As he plays, I realise that's his game because when he plays the ball away, he finds a blue jersey. Um, and I noticed that I watched him specifically against Livingston for that. He wins the ball, he comes out, and he unloads it really quickly, usually forward, and always to always to a guy in a blue top or yesterday a white top. Um, that's why I think he becomes a mainstay of the of, of the team going forward, irrespective of of the formation. You know, he's your defensive midfield on the four three three. He's your you know defensive head of the diamond, if you like, uh, in a a four four two. It's about the players and it's about the players' mentality, and you're absolutely spot on. Too often last season uh, under Pedro and then under Murti and this season under Steven Gerrard, the players have had, uh, they, they haven't not wanted the ball, but I think Wednesday night really, really highlighted it for me what Hayden means for this team. It's safety first, it's get the ball, it's slow the, it's slow the play down, it's a sideways passing that's not making a mistake going forward. And that's as ineffective as not wanting the ball. So if 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 we cut that out and we we have to play the right players to cut that out. And as I say, guys like Ross McCrory, probably Daniel Candace, um, I don't think let that happen because Wednesday night was case in point for me. Ryan Jack, who I think has done pretty well since he came back from injury. Uh, two goals, especially yesterday's absolute thunderbolt strike. Hmm. Um, but he, he's all of a sudden with Ross McCrory there, he's playing slightly further forward. Who knew Ryan Jack can pass the ball forward? And he is, and he's, he's getting to the front man and he's helping to link the play. When maybe Arfield was a wee bit quieter yesterday, Ryan Jack was stepping into the breach. That's all to do with the right players in the right positions at the right time. No, I okay, I, 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 had, I had the exact same point went down before I came on because we're talking about formation. Hang on, you also, write stuff down before we start. Yo, I am preparing. I'm as good to buy. Aye, 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 David, David, Andy's sitting on my knee. How do you think I read it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair point. Well, that's what. You'd be sitting on my knee. That, that, oh, Andy likes to drive hoggies. No being sexist or anything. It's just the way he gets down. <laughs> Hope your wife's not listening to this, Andrew. It'll come as such a shock. It gets, gets down in more ways than one. Yes. Actually, Ryan Jack. Homoerotic flirting aside, what was your point, uh, Andy? Uh, Andy, talking about before you come on to that, I had a key question about yesterday because we won yesterday. What was the Andy McGowan bingo bus like back to Click Manager? You know, did, did you do? <laughs> was it was it hookers and coke and bevy or was it cribbage? Uh, I had coke, but it was diet coke. Um, <laughs> well, I actually have well, a I have a question for the bus convener too, Andy. Which is uh, yesterday we saw after the third goal, uh, quite a few fans spilled onto the track to celebrate with Alfredo Morelos, and of course we got the usual fanny holding from those in the media, which is best ignored. We know that they're going to look for anything to have a go at Rangers, so it's it's a bit pointless, but. I did notice that there was quite a lot of criticism from Rangers fans online and on social media as well. And the the two school of thoughts that emerged were it's fine, it's harmless, it's just a bit of fun, it's just the lads enjoying themselves, loosen up. And then the other school of thought seemed to be, look, I get it for 
last minute winners or old firm or whatever, but the third goal against Levy in a 3 0 win, it, it seems a bit trying too hard and a wee bit trying to be zany and look at us, we're ultras. Now, you run a bus where fun isn't allowed. What, <laughs> what's your view on it? Obviously, you would tell any member of your bus that if, if they got involved in anything like this, they wouldn't be getting home. But, but you, I mean, you're at every single game. What, what's your thoughts on it? I've got to be honest, truth was, I thought it was hilarious. I thought when, when uh, Morelos got mobbed yesterday, I, I was laughing. I thought it was really, really funny. The, the bigger problem is that what you've got, you've got to remember a football support, I'm not just talking about Rangers, I'm talking about a football support is essentially a classroom. And if you give the naughty boys an inch, they'll take a mile. Now, I think what they noticed yesterday at Livingston was that, fuck, we can't go in this bitch, nobody's going to do a thing. And uh, also you're seeing now at the end of games, I think it happened to Helsinki friendly and it happened yesterday, Kids are being told, you know what? See if you sprint at the final, at the final whistle to your favourite player, you may get a shot. So I've not really got a problem. I think it's all it's all in good nature. I don't think there's any uh, anything bad about what we're doing there. But I think for a security, if I'm a security man at Rangers, I'm going to say fuck it. We need to get a grip of this. <laughs> It'll be the same at every away ground. There'll be few, uh, Rangers fans getting on the pitch and celebrating with the players and getting their pictures on the Wally Vass website and everything else. <laughs> so I, I thought it was good natured. It was well intentioned. I don't think there was any badness in it at all. I thought it was genuine. I think sometimes you've got to say that's good for football to see football fans filling a ground and enjoying themselves and having moments of joy with a player. But the same token, we've got to actually, you know, you've got to make sure that there's no, um, it doesn't grow into something that's actually a pain in the fucking hole. And I think, uh, David, I think that's a key point that um, I, I've, I've get, Christ, I go back as far as bloody the Blue Order and beyond. And um, I, I've, I've got no problems with what the guys did. You know, it was fun. It was a bit of spontaneous, spontaneous action. Um, incidentally, Aberdeen did it a few weeks ago. It wasn't a problem then. It's only a problem yesterday. Um, and for me, that's the issue. I don't have an issue with the guys doing it. It's, as you say, Andy, it's a bit of fun. Um, and I couldn't give two hoots, genuinely could not give two shits what the, the wider media or what other fans think of, uh, especially other fans of other clubs, think of what we do. Don't care. What I do care about is the guys that go in the pitch and they're having a laugh. As the narrative increases from the media and the chattering classes in Scotland, someone's going to get lifted for simply being on the park. Oh yeah, I, I think that's that, that's the next step. The fact that it's now been discussed, if you like, they yeah. will just randomly lift a lot of people who've done it. And it, as you say, it's mainly young guys who've had a baby bit of a laugh their pal dares them to do it you know and it, and it gets done and the sensible thing is just to usher them back into the stand but because people are starting to whine about it guarantee in a few weeks a directive will go out the next Rangers fans that does it lift them don't care if it, or lift them randomly don't care if there's hundreds of them doing it and yeah I'm the same and you end up getting a fine and a banning order and the club take your season ticket and that's you know Really unfortunate if you think for what the crime in inverted commas is. Yeah, and and that that's my fear that we've got good, honest guys that are going to see our team and vocally backing our team for ninety minutes, 
Um, do something daft, get lifted and get a banning order. I mean, the, the, the any any punishment like that does not fit the crime. Absolutely not. All I'd say to folk who are on the party is just watch what you're doing in the future because it's it's no worth it's no worth being the martyr mm. for simply just being on the park. So just watch your bags. Yeah, I, I find it difficult to, to criticise the young team for much because I'm an old fart. And I know that if I'd have been their age and someone my age was telling me what to do and what not to do, I would have told them to fuck off. So <laughs> I always think my opinion is not wanted, so I, I tend to just keep it to myself. Uh, I can see both sides in it, in all fairness. I, I do get it when it's a spontaneous rush of emotion. Um, I think, you know, there are certain goals that it's totally understandable and certain ones where you know keep the heat but it's down to the individual and just as as Hoggy says just watch because we don't want anybody losing their uh, losing their season ticket or ability to go and follow Rangers because of it so moving on then we have a trip to Cowdenbeath on Wednesday um, to the land of the stock cars and uh, hopefully the match will go ahead Rangers having helped to pay for a pitch protector, which will... And I know that this kind of riled you, Hoggy, a little bit when the news came out that Rangers, after talks with the SFA, uh, Cowdenbeath announced that Rangers had co-funded pitch protectors for this match, and uh, that went up your arse sideways. Uh, It did. Um, And I know that... I know that it was maybe tongue-in-cheek from Donald Finlay when he was talking about Jimmy Bell being there and all the rest of it. But the implication was, and certain parts of the media took it to be, that Rangers wanted the game postponed. Um, this was the same kind of beef that had fucking cars on the pitch, trying to actually pull out the area in question at the corner flag. Um, Cowden Beef... Cowdenbeath, I think, already had the pitch protectors on previously. Obviously, they just didn't work properly. Um, it's kind of, you know, it should be up to Cowdenbeath to get this game on, David. Um, and they'll get, they'll be getting enough money from TV and from the SFA for taking part. If member clubs can't get games on, then they shouldn't be in the tournament. It's as simple as that. It's not the 1950s anymore. Um, but I think full credit to Rangers. Uh, and, and, of course, what happens in both the media becomes a tongue-in-cheek thing because Rangers can do no good and it becomes a tongue-in-cheek thing with other supporters. But in reality, hats off to Rangers. We didn't have to bother doing this. But we want the game on. We want the game on telly. We want Cowden Beef to get the money. We want the money ourselves. So we're doing everything that we can. I, I just don't think it should be up to us. I think it's Cowden and Beef are getting plenty of money to get this game on, David. No, fair enough. I I hope the game does go ahead. I'm pretty sure it will this week. I'm looking forward to it. And Andy, it is a chance to experiment with the thing. Now, I've seen, uh, again, or, or a lot of Rangers fans have said to me, no, you play your strongest team, you don't make any changes, but... I'm afraid that I do tend to go to the other side, which is, look, I'm not saying make 11 changes, but we should be able to give people game time against Cowden Beath without it being a problem. For me, this is absolutely ideal to get Davis and Defoe in and give them a full 90. Aye, maybe last season when, when the squad wasn't as robust and strong, you'd have maybe said, well, no, you have to play your first 11 always. 
But now we've got a, bit, a lot more strength and depth and you could change a number of positions and really don't have any qualms about it, especially against Cowden Beef. So I, I do expect a wee bit of rotation. Um, I, I couldn't really tell you who, but I do think Defoe and Davis will, will get a fair chunk of the match. Um, you might see my colleague at a run, you might even see Fodderham come in, but um, you're right. That This new our standard of squad should be able to go into this game and win it quite comfortably with a lot of permutations in the first 11. Um, and saying that, there's a bit in the back of my head saying, this is our best chance at a cup or a bit of silverware for a long, long time, so why would you take a chance? But really, if you're a football manager and you want to use your, your, um, what you've got at your disposal, you would be looking at it saying we've got an opportunity here to get some game time and, and some players' legs that haven't had it before and still come through it quite comfortably. There were a few people espousing the theory, and I get this one totally, Hoggy, that this might be, if you want to try to up front, this is a good one to do it. And in fact, give Alfie the night off, have him on the bench if you need him, but stick to Foe and Lafferty up front, see how that works. It uh, could do. Uh, personal opinion, I'd go the four three three. I think uh, I think Cowden Beath will look to keep it really tight, try to keep it solid down the spine. Therefore, we should be using some width to try and unpick it. Absolutely, go four four two later on the match. Hopefully, we've got it sewn up. Um, if not, then we've got bigger problems than four three three versus four four two, David. Um, but. It should be a night, and absolutely you want to get through and all the rest of it, but you look at our squad, you know, we're saying we we can play, compared to yesterday anyway, so-called fringe players like Jermaine Defoe, with a thick end, with a thick end of 50 caps and 25 goals for England. Um, it's not a bad squad player. Bring him in, bring McCauley in, bring Flanagan in, Fodderingham in, uh, McCrory's injured anyway. Get Halliday as a defensive midfielder. Um, you know, get these guys in there to say, look, go prove yourself. Go prove yourself and do the job. And yes, have the bench with uh, Morelos and whomever else. Stick Lafferty out in the left. Uh, bring Kent on later on. Bottom line is, go out and win. But I do think this is the type of game, this game and actually Saturday coming up against St Mirren, you need to be utilising the squad to keep it nice and fresh, but also to keep those players hungry. Because, um, as wanky as it sounds, if if they're, if you're not using the squad or there's no pathway into the start of the living in games like this, then folk will get seriously disillusioned, David. Now, normally we would turn to our section here, uh, Hartson of the Week, where, or Total Hartson rather, where we look around to, to see people, primarily in football, who done or said something so stupid that it could have came from the mouth of the uh, former Celtic and Wales striker. But this week it's a walkover victory for uh, our old friend, and uh, I think I'm probably accurate in saying erstwhile, Hibernian manager Neil Lennon with the news that he has been suspended uh, unfortunately not from a great height but uh, bear with me from the club along with his assistant Shane McGowan and uh, this is due to a bust up with the players including uh, or primarily they are quite highly rated I thought striker Florian Camberry uh, and after an altercation he was sent home suspended uh, 
formal letters have gone out, the process is underway. Um, I think having been on both sides of the table during a process like this, it generally ends up with your P45. So, Andy, um, when you heard this news, and let's put aside football rivalry for a minute, did you laugh or laugh really hard? Do you know what? Lennon deserves some credit as a football manager because... Uh, Boo! Boo! Andy's boss is shite! Where did you find this guy? I have no fucking uh, idea. It's Sarah, I feel sorry for. What I was going to say is, if anybody follows me on Twitter, you know what? I'm quite critical of teams like Livingston and Motherwell because of the way they play football. I think it's, it's backward and it doesn't do Scottish football any good. And I don't think you could label that Lennon's teams. I've always tried to play football and that's quite attacking and uh, you can't say that he doesn't like to win. He's an absolute cretin of a man, but as a football manager, I always had a kind of grudging respect for him to a point. Um, however, I think what's happened at Hibs was always inevitable because he has been backed, but he would have you believe that he hasn't been backed. And I think that the, the press in Scotland and the fact that nobody even whispered that he might be under pressure after a fucking shit run of results, um, seeing Hibs in the bottom six. The fact he never read anything about, you know, question marks about Lennon tells you the story of how Lennon operates in Scotland. He has a wee cabal of journalists who are his pals mm-hmm. and they will ignore the truth. They will ignore the body of evidence that we now have, have for this guy. He will never, ever take any responsibility or any blame or even the slightest uh, sliver of blame for anything whatsoever. And this is just the latest in the line of, I left because I wasn't getting backed or uh, I'll never settle for a second and Hibs would know this kind of crap. Um, I, I don't know where it goes for here. Where does he go for here? Because he's not going to get back to England. Would he get another job in Scotland? I don't know if it would because uh, it's, ju- it's just there's too much evidence now that there's something no quite right with Neil Lennon. It's no whatever he tells us in the press that he's a misunderstood guy and he's got problems and he's victimised. It's a lot of shite. It's him. Yeah, uh, I think I would agree with all of that. And the, the big point, Hoggy, that he's spot on about, we've already seen people rushing to his defence. Uh, genuinely, if. Uh, <laughs> If uh, certain countries had been as as well defended as Neil Lennon is in the uh, late nineteen thirties, then Hitler would have been stopped before he got out of the out of the Rhineland. But the 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 they immediately rushed to his defence, and as Andy says, misunderstood, great guy, wonderful. It, it's it's not him; it's all of you who are wrong. But again, that's another club who seem to be quite happy to let a an on the surface successful manager go. I think that kind of suggests something to you about what sort of effect he has on people. And he's not the first football manager to do it. We've seen it with other more successful, higher profile managers. But you can only run a chaotic organisation like that for so long before people just get tired of it. Yeah, there's there's a, a certain sports writer at one of the red tops rushed to his defence yesterday morning, Sunday, um, and republished the article of when Neil Lennon decided to leave Celtic. Um, and I said, 
on Twitter. Here, here, here it comes. You know, um, the story hasn't unfolded yet. It's only rumours at the minute. Um, and here we are. It's a drinking buddy, and let's let's face it, it is a drinking buddy rushing to his defence, and it continued today, outlining it's everyone else's fault except Neil's. I, I know Neil has mood swings, but you know what? It's it's got to be Hib's fault if the rumours are true, and we're not going to talk about those rumours on here because they are simply rumours. You know, you've only got to go into social media to to see what those rumours are. But David, today I I, I um, made a couple of calls with uh, one or two folk that I've told you about previously um, in the, the east of the country, and those rumours might be more accurate than some red top writers might believe. So, do you know, at the end of the day, Neil Lennon has got um, a history um, of, let's face it, violence, um, temperament, of um, anger towards those of the opposite sex. And that's well documented, that history. And to to immediately rush to his defence and in the same article say, Neil really hates it when you say he brings it on himself. Well, sometimes he actually might, and sometimes he might have to take responsibility for it. So where does he go from here? Um, my money would be on Aberdeen, David. <laughs> um, well, where does he go from here? My answer is I don't give a fuck so long as it's far away. Okay, folks, thank you very, very much for joining us this week. We'll be back on Thursday. Um, with Heart and Hand Extra to go over the Cowden Beef match and look ahead to St Mirren at Ibrox on Saturday. will be great to get back, first time in over a month, so very much looking forward to that. If you're coming along to Ibrox on Friday night, though, to see us in our live show with Kevin Thompson, we look forward to seeing you. Um, the doors are open at 7, we'll be on at 8, and uh, probably off stage for about quarter to 11 to make your plans that way, but if you want to stay on the bar, we'll be open till 12. We're very much looking forward to it. If you want to hear even more from us, then just visit us on Patreon patreon.com forward slash heart and hand um, where you'll get up to five shows every single day on everything from Rangers history to current players to player profiles to managers to game by game breakdowns of season to classic matches also all football uh, across the world we cover oh God, English, Spanish, uh, Italian you name it we cover it so come along it's only $1.99 per month you will enjoy it and uh, cheaper than Netflix and much more staunch. Can't say more than that. Thank you to our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, and to my guests this evening, the wonderful Mr Ian Hogg. Pleasure as always. I can't believe McGowan loves Lennon. I can't believe it either. He's, he's It's a shocker. And... And I'd like to thank my other guest because the bells are ringing out for Andy Shane McGowan. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back on Thursday. Till then, take care. Bye.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.